Hello and welcome to the Pixel Classroom Podcast, featuring everything on passion, innovation, X-Factor, enthusiasm, and leadership in the classroom. I'm your host, Ryan Reed, and you can listen to everything here from experts in education, talk about epilepsy awareness, and featuring pop culture talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 78. I had the extreme honor and pleasure to talk to George Chorus. You may know him from, of course, the Innovator's Mindset and his own uh, podcast. We had a fantastic time uh, talking to each other. So here, without further ado, is the wonderful episode 78 with George Chorus. Well, everybody, welcome here to uh, the Pixel Classroom podcast here with uh, an amazing guest. He is an author. He's a principal. He's an educator. He's lost, He's uh, been an amazing workout person. He's definitely inspired me because he's lost more weight than I have. So uh, it's an amazing. He is from up north here. Uh, you might know some of his books, such as uh, The Innovator's Mindset, as well as Innovation in the Box, and recently put together the uh, book Because of a Teacher, which is a great book. I highly recommend it. I'd like to welcome the one and only George Chorus to the Pixel Classroom podcast. Thanks, man. And I, Ryan, I just want to say um, to all the people listening, I just appreciate, I always see, I don't know how many, you. I've never seen anybody read as many books as you do. Like, <laughs> I, so like, I it's actually quite amazing. Monsters. So it's just, I, I, I really appreciate um, your support of my books, but also uh, educators that write all over the place, which is, is really cool. And not only do you read them, but you share them with other people. So I just want to say thanks for doing that. Cause that, well, that, to be honest, it means a lot. Right. And I, I know sometimes I see like people, I uh, like, Oh, someone's just pushing books. I'm like, well, I am an author. <laughs> this is what I do. Right. So, right. Like, yeah, yeah. I used to teach and, but I also am a book, you know, I am an author and, uh, I think I, you know, I'm working with a lot of people that are authors too. And it's, it's just great. Uh, to see when people read and share our stuff because I know uh, it makes a difference to me. I, I I always used looked at looked at authors as like you know like these untouchable people that you know you can have conversations with, and then I became one, and I was like, oh no, like anybody reach out to me, it's pretty cool. So so I think uh, yeah, it's 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 nice to to I appreciate your support, and like I said, of not just me but so many other people because I know it's it's a lot. It's scary to put your stuff out there into the world. Yeah, and that's a very and that's very true. I mean, somebody who wrote two other books himself and put it out there, even though it was self-publishing, and they weren't like big, like, oh, they're on everybody's main. Did you read this graphic novel by this guy? This is really talking to me or so forth. But I mean, you, George, other people have just written some incredible books. And I mean, I've read them or I and I continue to go back to them. Some people think I read these books really fast. You forget about them. I'm like, no, I make my notes, I put my little pieces in them, I have a shelf, and then I go back to them. Some people are really surprised how many times I go back to a lot of these books too. Yeah. So it's it's a good thing. I go back to Innovators Method. I, of course, uh, that graphic novel that came out last year, I've definitely gone back to quite a few times because yeah. it was really, it was a really good book. I actually got a couple of my coworkers to pick up a copy too. They were really impressed by it as well. And uh, because of a teacher, which was the one you recently put together with everyone, I'm really happy about that one because honestly, it is because of a teacher. I know for me, in many cases, I always go back to my fifth grade teacher, um, um, Deb Larson, who I have not unfortunately seen in, I think, about 30, 32 years. She moved out of the area. She was a reading specialist, but she made me kind of really care about education. I thought I didn't have good um, teachers, but she was definitely one who changed the game. She was not the norm. And then we're talking about late 80s, early 90s. That was not a lot of stuff you saw with some teachers with the way they taught and stuff. I mean, she made us do book reports different ways. We had to do hand puppets once. We had to put together a mobile. We had to write a letter like we were sending pen pals to people in a book. It was it was quite an interesting story, but she's definitely been the inspiration for me for quite a few times. Believe it or not, when I was reading your book, I was like, maybe I'll look out and she's in here. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's the interesting thing is like how many things you recited like that you still remember from her class, right? Which is, uh -huh. you know, some teachers I can, you know, I feel like I can actually say like, hey, we did this the first month, we did the second month, and others is like, yeah, I remember that person, but 
like the classes of blurks. So it was just like, you know, you know, basically give us information, give it back kind of thing. Uh, the interesting thing about because of a teacher and for, and I appreciate you sharing that, um, it was to kind of honor educators. Uh, and it actually started with my own podcast, um, where I asked these questions, who's the teacher that inspired you? Uh, who's an administrator that inspired you? And, uh, what advice would you give to your first year teacher self? And I actually did it first. And when I actually did it, I talked about a few of my teachers, uh, my kindergarten teacher, my grade three teacher was also my music teacher throughout elementary and uh, my, high, my high school teacher. And I actually shared that podcast. And what was interesting was uh, like kindergarten, that was 41 years ago for me. And my kindergarten teacher actually commented on the YouTube video. Uh, I didn't send it to her, anything like that. Uh, my, and then, and then my phys ed teacher DM me on Twitter because we still are connected Thank mm-hmm. you for that. And then my music teacher actually also wrote a comment and specifically, uh, talked about a song that I sang in grade eight, which would have been 1988. And like, he says, like, I still remember you singing that, doing that, all that stuff. And that, what was interesting is that those comments probably were the push for saying like, Hey, this is actually probably like a good idea for a book because these people probably have no clue the impact they've had on me. And so how can I actually make that? So that's why I got, you know, um, 15 different authors, uh, plus myself to write for this. But the hope was, you know, as, as what you just did is that other people, you know, share and talk about their teachers as well. Because I think a lot of times we make this incredible impact in the classroom, but we don't know about it. And that those comments to my teachers, probably are 1%, like not even 1% of 1% of the impact that they've had on kids, you know, throughout their entire time in school. But it's better than, you know, sharing that 1% is better than nobody sharing at all. And I think a lot of times we say, well, you know, no one's really sharing that stuff. So let's not connect anyway. And then they, you know, a lot of teachers, you know, don't hear that. So not only did those teachers actually impact me in school, they inspired me to create something, you know, 40 years after the fact that I had them as teachers, which is, you know, shows really the impact that teachers have. Yeah. And, and that's a good point. Um, I mean, some people have seen on my blog too, I've written about a couple of teachers. Unfortunately, they have been ones that have passed away, but made a very huge yeah. impact, but not just on me. Like you said, that 1% of 1%. Totally. Um, I, we were, we're talking about my old history teacher, who was also a friend of mine's father, uh, Larry Coots, and he passed away a few years ago, but he also was an ISHA basketball coach. He had inspired people for different runs, different areas, both for the state and basketball. And he was a very well-known teacher. He didn't, he did kind of the norms, but he really always wanted us to really talk about definitely what we were learning. I remember when we were going over his world history class, he really kind of dived into like, okay, we're going to talk about the Renaissance. We're going to talk about not only that, but Michelangelo's relationship to, you know, to the, to the Pope and to the Sistine Chapel and actually what the Pope was doing during the war. And I think I learned more about those, the papal state wars in that class. And for somebody who went to Catholic school from kindergarten through sixth grade, yes, we had heard about that. We knew about Julius II's fight. The Pope actually did there, but until he talked about that, we did not know know any of that. And uh, many people have always talked to me because I always bring up history in my classes. They always say, I think you missed your call as a social studies teacher. I said, in a small way, I think I did at some point. But um, unfortunately, as much as he made a very positive impact, I did not have a lot of positive impacts from other teachers. And that's what really kind of drove me away because I was being told as I was ending high school, I should be a teacher. And I was like, I couldn't be a teacher. It's not possible for me to be a teacher. I don't think I can handle the work. I don't think I can handle, you know, the relationships. I mean, and they, but you're good at relationships, but I didn't really listen to that until sadly 10 years later. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's a, you know, a lot of people's experience in uh, school. And that's one of the unfortunate things. Like a lot of people will talk about some of those experiences. And I think one of the things that I, and I actually talked about this in innovates at the box, a lot of times what we do in education, there are those experiences where people are like, you know, this teacher said this to me and, you know, and I just, that was mad about that for the rest of my life. And that's something we do have to acknowledge, right? That that does happen. And you'll see like, you'll go to some conference and the speaker will say, you know, this person quit school, this person quit school. And it's all these people that are like really famous, you know, billionaires, whatever. I'm like, okay, yeah, well, that's true. But there's probably, you know, a lot more people in the world that do great things because of their teachers. And that's like, you know, it's always those anomalies that we share. And it's like, yeah, well, but how many people do we share? Like, yeah, well, this person did this because of their teacher. This person did this. And I actually shared, I think, uh, um, I think Oprah talked about 
her, you know, one of her teachers inspiring her to like write and stuff. I can't remember if that's who I referenced in, uh, in, in my book, but just kind of looking at that too, because the, the one thing that I always am cognizant of about is basically as teachers, we have that impact and, you know, trying to make it as positive as possible. And one of the things that was really cool, and I actually didn't even think about this, uh, when I published the book, I shared it. And one of my former students said, wow, this was my teacher. And look, he's like publishing books now. And she, and she was proud of me. And it was kind of, and it made me feel really good to see that, you know, a student, because a lot of times, you know, teachers, we, we cheer on our, our students, but we don't necessarily see the opposite. And to actually have one of my students celebrate me that I actually had, you know, done that uh, was really cool. So I think, you know, for me, that's one of the things I always try to do is kind of put that positive out there in the world. And I think it's harder sometimes, uh, some days than others, but I think, you know, we can all make an impact with our actions and our words. And I try my best. I fail way too much, but I still try my best to do the best I can. And that's an amazing feeling. I actually was on that same foot myself about four years ago. Um, I had just um, the position I was working at as a technology director for my school due to budgets and other things that were going on with Illinois State Impose. They cut my position. And uh, last my last day at the job, I decided I was going to go eat at a local fast food. And one of my former students was there running the register and she was asking me how I was doing. I said, well, I just finished my last day over at Jackson and um, heading over. And she's like, well, where are you going to go? Where are you going to work? And I said, I have no idea. I've like, I got resumes out. I've interviewed, but nothing. And she bought me dinner that night. She actually took out wow. her, her card and she bought me dinner and actually got me a shake with it. And I was really surprised. And I said, wow. you did. I went, her name's Sydney. And I go, Sid, you don't have to do it. She's like, no, 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 no. Mr. Reed, you were one of the best teachers to me, even though you really weren't the full-time classroom teacher to me. You were good to my mom. You were good to my sister. I'm buying you dinner. And I, I had nothing left to say, but I was very, very happy for her. In fact, she just graduated college and uh, scarily enough, just uh, turned 22 the other day. And I just went, when did Sid turn 22? Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's an impact we have. So I, I think that's, you know, even in our toughest times, it's always great to get an encouraging word. And I'm, I'm always about doing it both ways. I think a lot of times, uh, and that's one of the things that I really want to highlight is uh, a lot of times we like crap on administrators and we'll say like, Oh, that's why they get paid the big bucks. I'm like, well, you're not getting paid really that big of bucks for right. that, kind of, <laughs> that kind of attention. You know, some of the stuff, you know, I've seen on social media, how people talk about administrators, you know, community, sometimes even teachers. And it's like, yeah, like, I think that sometimes in that hierarchy, we feel like, you know, positive comments, you know, acknowledgements only go one direction where it should be, you know, kind of both ways. And I think that helps administrators say like, Hey, this stuff that I'm doing makes an impact when you actually highlight that stuff. If you want more good, highlight that good, right? Don't just focus on what that person's not doing. So uh, that's one of the things too, is that, you know, are, are we as teachers, acknowledging the great administrators that we have. And I, I actually had, like, I talked about my um, principal who became my deputy superintendent and she's had, you know, such an impact on me. And uh, it, it, she's the best leader I've ever had. And just knowing if I can do 1% of what she's done for other people, then I have been a total success because she was absolutely incredible the way she bring out the best in people. And I would tell her that all the time. And a lot of times she's like, ah, oh, you don't even mention it, right? But even though she'd say that, I still would, because I think people need to hear that stuff. And I, I don't think, I think one of the things I always talk about right now is that we often share gratitude way too late rather than way too early. And so I, I don't want to be that person. I want to make sure that uh, if anything, you're sick of the positive uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, why, do, why doesn't he ever say anything that he appreciates? So I think that for me is something that's really cognizant in the work that I do. Yeah. And that, that's a shout out right there. There we go. There you go. I love you it. You inspired me to do that once I got my, my roadcast. Wow. And I think that and actually moving that over to minister, I think that's a good point. Cause I, I think you said it perfectly. What you want to get tired of the positive. We always hear the negative. I mean, in schools I've worked with, you know, I've worked with, with incredible ministers. I mean, with medium and I've had one where half mm -hmm. is great and one is not the best. I worked under a former principal. He was not the best principal, but he was a great classroom teacher. He had a right. wonderful relationship with his staff members. And I think he had a nice re uh, relationship with his students. But I think, unfortunately, as the old classic come, you become a member of who's serving the school board, which unfortunately right. had a lot of problems with. And then when he did leave, he became a dean of students and he had excelled in that. It's just, unfortunately, he did not fool that position there. But, mm -hmm. you know, he said himself at one point, like, I wish people would stop complaining about me. I'd like to hear some positives. You know, I was, right. you know, my, my students were always on top of the game. We went to science bowl every year and so forth. 
forth. And when he went to Dean of Students, he worked with a lot of those students, helping them get, you know, college applications in and vocational um, uh, grants to move on to vocational school. So, but I, he did not hear that enough. And many times I myself would say like, you know what, I, I really would wish you would stop giving this an easy time to the student because their mom is on the school board when right. that's not really is. And I had, of course, full, and he did give me some advice, like, well, you need to form your own relationship with that student. And I was only there about four months before I left for another position. But um, I, by the end of it, I had actually worked a really good relationship with student, with a lot mm. of the students there. And a lot of them were very hard and, you know, some were even known gang members. And, you know, this was hard to believe now uh, going on 12 years ago, mm. but, you know, he was right about relationships were extremely important for students. So, you know, I, I'll definitely throw out to that. Uh, if Rocky's listening, that he definitely gave me some fantastic advice there yeah and that that to me um when we're talking about this i i highlight this too we we sometimes are a part of that problem like if you think about so i know you work with technology correct oh yes and so like how many times if you're like a director of technology do we get phone calls that say like hey thanks for the internet working all day like you'll never hear about that. I, I, I think well, only one day, one time I ever got that actual. So phone. hey, there you go, right? So at least it's more probably one time more than most, right? But when things go wrong, that's when we hear about it. And so like even the stuff when things work smoothly and things work in our favor, we rarely say anything. When things go wrong, that's when we acknowledge. So then we talk about you know that that three, two percent time. And like I like I I'm very cognizant of this too. I used to, when, uh, like, cause I travel quite a bit for speaking. So I'd be traveling somewhere and, uh, you know, like my flight would be delayed and there'd be some issue. No, it's probably like weather, something out of control, planes, not broken. And I, like, I've learned this. I really don't want to fly on broken planes. That's like kind of a, <laughs> I, kind I of can't a, agree. <laughs> uh, not, not a thing I want to do, but I used to like post on Twitter and then say like, hey, Eric, you know, this company sucks and blah, blah, blah. Don't fly them. And I actually saw one of those first thing this morning. And I'm like, there's probably like more times than not, there is no issues. And then the one time when I don't get my way, I go on there. And I think that, yeah, there's there's issues. And like, I get, I get a lot of pushback on this saying, oh, like, you don't think there's any issues? Of course there's issues, right? And there's ways that I communicate that. But then, you know, if a student didn't like a teacher's class and then they went online and blasted that teacher on social media, that teacher would be upset. Like, Hey, like, why didn't you just come talk to me? Right. right. So for me, that person that, you know, works at that, that, that desk at, you know, Delta or American or whatever, they're not going out. They're not like, Hey, let's screw George's day over by, you know, delaying this flight. Right. They're, they're probably doing everything in their power. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, they're, they're limited in what they're allowed to do because of, you know, the, the, the organization that they work for. And I think sometimes we take it out on, on people and there's better ways to actually deal with this. There's better ways to come now. Like I'm saying, like, obviously we got to say times when things are wrong, but is there ways that you can do that? And the, anytime, you know, you complain about an organization, complain about someone working, you have to be comfortable with somebody doing it the exact same way to you in your work. So if you're, if you're calling out Delta, then you should be totally fine with a student calling you out on Twitter too, right? And having that issue. And for me, that's not what I, I wouldn't want that. If you had an issue with me, I hope you would come talk to me and have a conversation. Because I think a lot of times uh, we talk about other people being bullies. We talk about other people being the issue. But when we do it, it's not, we're not a bully, we're right. We're right. We're right. So like we should be saying this stuff, but there, like I see a lot of that too, but then can't take that heat back when it's given to you in any way. So I just, you know, I, I always try to be thoughtful of that in how I interact. And like I said, it's not like I've never had an issue with a flight. It's never had that, but I do think about different ways because it's like, yeah, let's get everyone mad at this person. Let's get everyone mad at this organization because that will make me feel better. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, won't fix anything. Right. But you just feel like you have enough people on your side. And that yeah. actually leads to my next part. When we're talking about social media and social media mm -hmm. burnout, many people mm -hmm. saw me. And by the way, George, thank you for reaching out on me besides social yeah. media burnout yeah. during, during the summer, uh, summer time here. So I was dealing with a lot of stuff, but I think that's a really interesting point. Like, you know, I, I realized now I, 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 you know, as much as I'm still on Twitter and I still got those followers, I still share things out there, especially the podcast and my blog and everything mm -hmm. else. It came to a point where I couldn't keep up with, like you said, you had that people that 
wanted to aim on one thing that was raw and get enough people up to you couldn't take it. But then there's also those points where you can't keep up with it all. I mean, I had a situation where, you know, I'm on Discord with my Spider-Man uh, crawl space fandom. It's great. But all of a sudden, when I try to respond to one thing, I said, oh, I want to agree with that. I've had 15 other people already respond to it. Right. They've got it. And I'm like, well, now I kind of feel like uh, maybe I don't have anything really to contribute or, you know what, this is too much. Mm -hmm. I can't keep up with it. Um, something I've noticed, you, you you know, you were very active on Twitter. You're very active on Instagram. And by the way, I've, you know, following your journey, your weight sure. loss, your working out, which I think has been absolutely incredible. But what is really that, you know, that balance? Uh, Dave Burgess himself said it perfectly. When social media is used right, it can be very encouraging and bring things together. But at the same time is it has a side to it that can overwhelm a person and not, not just like a negative person, like, oh, I'm tired of reading the hate speech or I'm going to join the hate train, but to the right. point where they just can't do it all. Just like as a teacher, you sometimes feel like you always have to do it all. I know when I was listening to your three questions today, you said advice you'd give your first year, you don't have to do it all. So right. you know, how does, you know, how do you feel the avoid that burnout yourself? Cause I know you're a very active person on social media. Yeah. So like I, the, I think for me, this is anyone listening to this, this is probably the best thing I can tell you is that if you feel you can't keep up, it's because you can't, it's impossible. So don't even bother trying. Right. Now, what I, so that, that to me is like just a release right there, right? Like if you, you like, oh, like how do I keep up with the newest trends, the newest things, whatever, right? What I've learned is that if you are, if you are in those spaces and it's not like addicted to them on them all the time, great stuff will find you, right? Mm -hmm. It'll be shared over and over again. And I think that to me is... The other element, and I want to talk about this in a second, like you, you, you find those things will find you. They'll come to you. They'll be shared over and over again. I think somebody said this years ago, like basically great information will float to the top. So it will always find you. So just if you feel you can't keep up, it's because you can't. Don't worry about it. Let that go. Let, let the great stuff find you. On the other hand, a lot of times we feel like, oh, like, you know, maybe I'm late to the party. Why would I want to share this? Right. Why do I want to connect this? And I remember, you know, when I first got on like Twitter and started using this, I'm sure I can't remember if I did. I'm like 99% sure, like if not 100% sure. I wrote a blog post probably about something like, hey, Twitter's awesome. You should use Twitter. Like, why are you not using Twitter? Like, what's going on? Right. So then a year later, someone else basically writes the exact same post that I wrote because they discovered it then. A year later, somebody else writes that post. A year later, somebody else writes that post. Probably yesterday, somebody wrote that post. <laughs> and, then I, and then I see, but then what I see is that people are like, oh, like, like this is just happening now. And they're crapping on that person for discovering something, right? right. And it, again, if we had a kid discovering something later than other kids, we wouldn't say, well, you're, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of slow for not getting that sooner. We would celebrate that growth. We would celebrate that. And then we like scare people away. And I think a lot of times what I'm saying is like, hey, I, when I wrote that post probably 11, 12 years ago, do you think I was the first person who wrote it? Somebody was two, three, four, five years ahead of me writing that same discovery. And so when that person wrote it three, four years after me, I'm not shaming them for finding it. I'm celebrating that. I'm, I'm connecting that too. And so... I think a lot of times we believe what that does is we kind of crap on that person for being late to the party and it's going to affect that one person, but it doesn't, it affects all the people who are actually watching that and who say nothing, but then also choose, I'm not going to actually share anything because look what happened to that person. Look what happened to that person. And so like, like a lot of times we think about all the people that talk on social media I actually think about all the people who don't say anything because of what they watch, because of what they see. And so, you know, if you're, for example, kids in a cafeteria and a bunch, bunch of kids don't sit at that, at a certain table, why is that? What, what, did, what are they seeing that they're terrified to go up to that table, to go up to that space? And are we creating that space where, you know, people are like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. I want to connect in that space. So for me, I try to celebrate even when, you know, it's something that like when I hear someone say something that I've been saying for 10 years and I'm talking and, you know, and I'm like doing a keynote or something like that and they say it and they just come to the realization. One of the things I do is like, what a great, what a great observation by Ryan. Like that's so incredible. And I pass the credit on to them. They're feeling like a million bucks. I don't need the credit. 
I don't care that I've been saying it for years because my hope is to help move people forward, not to be the smartest person there. Right. Cause I think a lot of times our ego gets in the way. It's like, well, I wrote that five years ago. How come no one's paying attention to me? And it's like, well, it's not about you. That's not what education is. It's education about helping others. It's helping others, you know, find their pathway, find that too. So anyone that's listening to that and has that fear. Um, and I, I wanted people to know, I understand why, but you know, everyone is at different spaces and at different times. And the goal is not that everyone is at the same space at the same moment. The goal is that we're always moving forward. And that's the thing that we want with our kids. That's what we want with our students. And how do we, how do we become part of that celebration? How do we do that too? And so like, I, I think about, I've done, I, and I don't want to say like, oh yeah, like I saw these people do that. I'm sure I've done the exact same thing, but I'm very cognizant of it now that am I actually creating a space where people are like, Hey, I am doing this. Like you, you mentioned my health journey a couple of times. This is something I've struggled with for years and years and years. And there's a lot of people that are at that same space. And when I say is like, I don't say like, Hey, you need to be in better shape because now I figured it out. It's like, no, here's what I'm doing. Here's what's helped me. And if you can learn anything from this, great. And you know, people are cheering me on, making me want to share that too. But I never say like, you need to get your life in order. You need to do this. I remember actually um, starting to run and somebody actually said, Hey, let's go run for like 10 miles. We'll have it done in like 60 minutes. And I was like, I can't do that. I like, I can't do that. And they, they knew I couldn't do it. And they put me in a situation where I'm like, I'm not even going to run one mile. Cause I'm like, I'm so embarrassed now because I, I, I just can't be at that space. So I think part of it too is, you know, yeah, we learn, we get to different points at different time. Are we inviting people into that space? Are we that, that, that table in the cafeteria that's welcoming to people or shunning them away? And I, I think it's a really good point. I mean, with mine for the last year, um, I mean, it's not like all of a sudden I, uh, Jen Burtis reached out to me and said, mm-hmm. hey, Ryan, I think you need to get in shape. We've been friends right. for a couple of years. I've been in your podcast. I think you should get in shape. No, she was trying to figure out what was going on with COVID. And we were talking about a couple of right. things about people do, were starting to do a lot of online. I have a neighbor down the street here uh, during the very beginning days of the pandemic. This was about April. I was walking Willow, our dog, down, down the street with with my son, Tyler. And we kept hearing somebody saying, Oh, now move up to upward dog. And we're looking around like, what, what are they talking? And there was a woman on her deck, full yoga gear, iPad doing that and everything. And I didn't want to interrupt her. And I saw, I said, Oh, what's going on with that? She's like, Oh, I just, uh, I, we decided to just start a yoga group for our group here. Cause we can't go to class anymore. And our one teacher retired. We used to do goat yoga, but she's not doing it anymore. So we decided to start our home one. And you know, I brought that up with Jen and next thing you know, we had the winning edge and, and, you know, here we are, you know, year and a half later, you know, I've lost 40 pounds. We've had, she's had many members. She has many clients, you know, she's been able, she's still pushing it. She's redone her website. It, it, it was like, you know, nobody forced us to do it. It was kind of an idea. And we're like, well, you know what, if you want me to support you, I'll, I'll be more than happy to support you. And next, you know, my wife and I were part of that whole journey and I don't see us, you know, knock on wood, leaving anytime soon. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, actually, it's, it's funny because COVID was kind of a game changer for me to really kind of refocus on what I was doing. And I think, uh, you know, I, you know, I tried to get in better shape at the beginning. And then when it started coming out that one of the comorbidities, probably the highest comorbidity for uh, people passing away with COVID was uh, obesity. I was like, uh-huh. I am not in a good shape right now. Like I'm not in a good position based on that. And uh, I'm a dad of two kids. So like, I want to be around and now I do it. And I was like, I don't just want to be around. I want to be around and be able to bend over and, you know, not have my body creaking and things like that too. So that was like, a, you know, I think a lot of people kind of had some wake up calls um, during that time. And, you know, uh, it wasn't for me right away. It took a little bit of time to do that, but yeah, it, it kind of helped me. And I, like, I hope that uh, kind of finding my own solutions. And I think that's, that's the thing. You got to find what works for you is like, I can share stuff and maybe some of the elements and I would, you know, probably similar to you, similar to everybody, you know, I tried this and it was like, Oh, it didn't work. But what I did was like, okay, it didn't work. It didn't get me the results I wanted, but there are things I learned from that that I can take to the next part of my journey, try something new. Well, I didn't get to what I wanted. So, but I'm going to take these new, these couple of things and see if I can get to that new place. Uh, and so kind of just looking at that over and over again and kind of thinking about that. Um, yeah, I think everyone's on a different journey with their health and what they're doing, but, you know, kind of just learn along the way and like, why, why are you doing it in the first place? Like, I think for me, it wasn't like, I always wanted to lose weight, but, um, when it became like, Hey, I actually want to be around as a dad. That was a much more compelling thing for me to, 
to really kind of strive for, not just like, I want to look better, which yeah, like, let's not pretend I, that's not right. <laughs> yeah, of course we want to look better, but there's gotta be something much more compelling than that. Yeah. And I, and I absolutely agree with that too. I mean, it's like me, I already, I had already started my own podcast too, but I really kind of started hitting much more harder once, you know, COVID happened. So, you know, one thing was, is I kind of, like I said, I started running out of excuses not to do things. It was no longer about the time. It mostly was time it was first. It was about the money, which really was about the money. I mean, as much as we try is it, it can get very expensive to add a gym when you got a house, a mortgage, a son, a wife who has epilepsy, you know, a dog of us, you know, looking into foster care now, right. Too, which is, you know, what we were doing before we recorded the podcast here, it, you know, and all of a sudden I just didn't have any excuses. And my superintendent PJ Capozzi said it perfectly is the pandemic allowed our school district district to get into the now because we were so many schools. I mean, it was for, you know, the rural area of Meridian is covered in four different schools, you know, running K through, you know, 12th grade, but you know, you'd go to one school and wow, look at this elementary school. They've got Chromebooks. They've got the teachers. They, they embrace Pear Deck. They address this here. And all of a sudden you would get to the, you know, the next school and it's not there. It's like, they don't even, they barely do the technology. They teach like it's 1985 still. And then you'd get to another school. Oh, look, they're back to modern technology and using the current norms or not just worrying about homework. They're working enrichment. And then you would get to the high school and it was one or the other, just depending on the teacher and the area and everything. And the truth was, it was not a knock at any of the teachers because they were very good teachers. In fact, several were award-winning teachers, but it kind of got to the point to where we had to really start looking at where we were, how we were going to connect with the students, especially when we had to do online for almost the majority of the 2020 and then hybrid up until early 2021. And our, our elementary school, which had an uptick in COVID, is, was online the last two weeks and now they're back into it, but it's almost seamlessly between those students going back online and then returning to face-to-face, which yes, I agree. I definitely like the face-to-face, but you know the fact that they adapt so well to go back for to that online learning to okay i'll see you on monday and mr mulkin can't wait to see my kids back you know yeah it's actually like this whole thing really kind of is at the actually at the premise of the innovator's mindset right and when i'm because of the work that i do people say like hey what's like the next big thing like what's the next big thing in education i've been saying this forever i don't know and neither do you what i do know is that basically whatever it is i'll figure it out And that's what we have to teach our kids is that new things will come their way. And how do you actually deal with it? How do you actually utilize it and think of it to your benefit and kind of look for opportunities when other people see obstacles and how do we get to that point? And so like what you just described is that mentality that has been kind of developed and and embraced, you know, and I'm, you know, people, there's a lot of things obviously that they're not excited about, but I'm sure it was an easier transition than it was in March of 2020. right? Right. And so they're, they're, they're learning to adapt because that is kind of the thing. Right. And it's really easy to, uh, not only do this professionally, but you know, personally we get stuck in a rut. We get, um, we get kind of in these spaces where we're comfortable, but it's not necessarily good. Right. And so you have to kind of reevaluate and say like, am I that person that's just doing what I've, what I've done because it's what I'm comfortable with, or is it actually beneficial? So do you do that in a person like the example I always use is that probably everyone listening to this, including myself has been in a relationship like way too long. Right. And Oh yeah. And if you are right now, it's probably not the best thing. Right. So, (laughs) but like, like, why do you stay? Because that's what you know, that's what you're comfortable with. And then you eventually leave and you're thinking like, why did I waste a lot of time? You know, this is so much better. And then same thing happens in education. We, and not even education, but everything. Right. We, we, we stick with things that we are comfortable with that just maybe, maybe make us feel good or kind of comfortable. And it's not like saying if you did stuff 10 years ago, you shouldn't be doing it now. If it still works, it's great, but we will stick with things that we know don't work in our personal and professional lives. So it's kind of stepping back and looking at that stuff. And so it's, it's great to hear that your, your staff is adapted to that. I'm sure, you know, it's not great that they're kind of having to move back and forth because of COVID and like, obviously that's understandable. But that is the mentality we need to kind of instill in ourselves and our kids is that, hey, things will come along. How do you how do you figure it out? And that that is that is the best way to deal with any change that's happening. And, and I think it's a good segue into your book. And I am pressed too, because like I said, I, I had Dave Burgess on back with episode 50 and we talked about, you know, the difference between the, you know, DBC and I am pressed, but I think it's very interesting. Like, you know, I, I, I've heard your story on many podcasts and stuff about how you met Dave. And of course it was love at first sight as I know. 
<laughs> but, um, you know, what really led to the innovators mindset really getting out there and really to the books of I am press, because like I said, you definitely brought up my, my, my huge reading right now. I'm on a small little, uh, small bender because you know, my water softener is getting replaced tomorrow. Yeah. So, uh, my money budget kind of went out for the next two weeks, but you know, what is it and what really goes into bringing these authors together? Cause like I said, I've read, you know, I've read almost all of them. I've enjoyed mm. all of them because of a teacher was on my, on my set. Cause as I said earlier about my own thinking, my own previous teacher, but you know, what went into the innovators mindset and what really kind of pushed out would I impress between, you know, your, this and the DBC. Yeah. So, so basically uh, innovators mindset uh, it's a, it's a concept and an idea that I've been sharing for years and years prior, uh, before I wrote the book, I've, I've been blogging, still blog to this day, uh, basically consistently at least once or twice a week. Um, so I have like something goes out Tuesday and something goes out Saturday. Uh, and I, and I've been doing that for probably 12 years and I know people don't read blogs as much as they used to. And I honestly don't care. It's like, I love when people read my blog, but I do that for my own growth, my own development. And if people can come along with the journey, that's awesome. But I know um, there's other things too. Like I, I like writing because it helps me develop, but I've also like started podcasts, et cetera. And so um, I had been approached by several publishers to talk about uh, writing a book. And I had sent uh, basically kind of like, a, you know, a sample of what it was about. And basically how I'd been blogging and what I was sharing was, uh, they said, Hey, we don't, we're not a big fan of this. We want it more academic, more, you know, basically numbers, data, research, all this other stuff. I'm like, that's not really how I write. Mm. And they're like, well, that's how we want it. And so I actually had, I had a contract sitting in my email inbox. I was just like, Something's not right with this. Like something doesn't feel comfortable with this. And then uh, Dave and I connected, um, you know, years after we first met. And he said to me, he said, do you, do you, um, do you ever have any interest in writing a book? I said, well, actually I have been considering and I have someone offering me. He's like, have you signed a contract? I said, no. He said, well, send it to me. Let's, let's talk. And so he said, he saw it and he's like, we love it. And so basically him and Shelly loved it. And I sent basically the exact same thing to one publishing company that I sent to Dave and got two totally different responses. And he, I said, well, tell me, tell me what, like what, because he goes, people want to read stories. People want to have that heart and that connection. And it, like, it's not like I don't have any research in it, but it's not like, um, the thing is, is a lot of uh, books, when you read them, they're like so research heavy that you can't, you don't really take anything away from it because it's really hard to read. It's really hard to connect and it doesn't actually stick with you. And so there is research, but there's a lot of story. There's a lot of connection. And that's what I do is I want people to kind of feel that. And so, um, yeah, Innovator's Mindset was published uh, basically about six years ago and still does, you know, uh, still resonates with a lot of people, still people finding it, you know, at different times. Uh, actually kind of had a big resurgence, uh, <laughs> obviously because of COVID, right? Right. And, um, you know, cause it is basically, and someone, the nicest, the nicest compliment, um, that I ever, that I got on the books, um, innovators mindset, innovators at the box. Someone said, you know, your books, even though they're written before COVID they're COVID proof. I said, <laughs> and I was like, that, that's what you want, right? That you're, I, we want books that are written, um, you know, that you will be relevant 25, 30. Now, you know, I do mention Vine, right? In, oh yeah. Here's mindset which there is no vine. So maybe, you know, yeah, I my were all on vine and now I got them all on TikTok. I, I do. So. I do love vine. And so, um, so then, uh, that turned into a conversation with, uh, Dave and Shelly and my wife Paige about, Hey, let's start our own company. Kind of have our own little offshoot. Um, we, cause Dave and Shelly and I, uh, have a very good relationship and I had been, you know, reviewing a lot of their books and things like that. I'm like, Hey, you know, I am doing this quite a bit. So I kind of would like to start my own and I would like to do it with you. I don't want to be a competitor. I'd rather work together. So we started that together and we're kind of like, um, I don't, I don't know if this is the, maybe more like a boutique, uh, publisher. We don't publish a bunch of books. We maybe publish four a year. Um, we, we try to max it out at six. And one of the reasons that we don't write a ton of, we don't publish a ton of books is because we really kind of want to mentor uh, the authors as they're kind of going through the process. Many of them, that's their first time writing. 
and we want to, um, you know, just kind of help them through that process. And, you know, not only kind of through the process of writing, but like, how do you build an audience that when your books release, people are interested in, you know, getting it and they know who you are. It's not like just all of a sudden you show up and like, I have a book and we're like, well, I don't know anything about you. Right. Because the, right. the author is, is the person that builds that audience. So, so it's like, yeah, it's, we're not, uh, I'm not like out there, like just actively just trying to find authors every single day. Um, we, when we see like really good ideas, when we see something, then we approach, you know, somebody and talk about that. So it's just kind of a, it's a, it's a really good way to, you know, kind of help people get their message out there. Uh, but it, it, we do want it to be in line, um, with, with, um, you know, some of the the kind of the views maybe we have on education in some ways. And it's not like everyone writes everything we totally 100% agree with, but if you're writing a book that is about, uh, that totally goes against what I believe in education, even though we think it will, you know, sell a million books, we won't publish it because that's not for us. Right. I want to, I want to be proud of, um, the content that we're putting out in the world too. So we're, we're really, we don't, we don't, like I said, we don't take a ton of publishers and I'm not in like, you know, my wife will say this to me is like every lid has a, a different pot. And, um, you know, I'm not saying like my opinion on education is right, but I do want to feel comfortable being able to support something and say like, yeah, no, I'm behind these ideas. Right. And there might be a different space too. Right. And the, the weird thing is some people will send us a book and it's very academic and it's, and there are, and that's not necessarily for us, right? Because we don't feel that people will connect with it as much, but I do feel there is a, there's obviously a space for that. There's obviously a connection with that. And there's, there's other places that they can go. And we, um, and there's one thing that I really, you know, did as a principal too, even the people we don't publish that, you know, do come to us, we do everything in our power to help them find a pathway to a different space and say like, Hey, we might not be the best place for you to do this, but here are some other options that we think would be really good. And maybe you can approach these people and try to make those connections. And I think as an, you know, one of the things that I kind of stood by as a principal is that when I interview four people, I'm only going to hire one, but how do I ensure four people go? Cause they're all going to get jobs somewhere. Right. How do I make sure that through that process, all four of those people become better educators. And so like, how do I give them feedback if they didn't get the job? Like, what are some of the things that I can kind of talk to them so we can kind of mentor them into those other spaces? Because ultimately um, our goal is to help people get their message out there. It might not be with their company, but it could be like, Hey, here's a better space. And it's the same thing with teaching. If I send four people into the world um, to different places, but I don't help them, that doesn't really help kids. And not, my goal is not to help only the kids in my school, but kids everywhere. And that that's, that's kind of the, the mentality that we have with the publishing company as well. And I think that's a good point too. I mean, cause I mean, I, I know I was looking up on my phone, some other thing, but also some of our authors who have worked for you and Dave and other people, like I was looking at John Spencer and, you know, he has one empowering, you know, he wrote empower there with AJ, but then he wrote one. I didn't even know about until just today that he wrote one about at a distance. This is distance learning. Let me talk yeah. about this too. But he had done previous books too. Um, Mandy Frahalik is a good friend of mine. I've read her Divergent. She's, you know, she talked to me about edgy publishing when I decided to write The Broken Teacher, which I wrote completely during, oh, well, I should say I started it three years ago. And thanks to COVID, I finished it. But I did shop it around and there was, you know, input from here and I had input from another place. I didn't say anything to you or Dave because I'm like, I don't think this is enough of a story which would work in that. And I don't want to feel like I'm wasting your time. And it's not because I'm scared. It's like, I don't feel this is under your your umbrella. But then, you know, I talked to Dave Spino and he just said, Ryan, why don't you just make it audio on your podcast? I mean, you can get your word out. I did it with me. And then you can let people judge you from there because he's like, you always can rewrite it. You always can update it, especially if you've been writing it for four or five years. And I, that's what I did. And actually a lot of people really enjoyed they were probably my most listened to episodes um people were really really did it was kind of a combination of history and story similar to you know because the teacher i talked about you know miss larson a lot in that in the beginning parts of it but i also talked about things from my blog i also talked about situations i did an ep- a chapter was just as how i was reacting to covid and then how the 2020 school year had started before 2021 so you know it was kind of updated and do but you know that's one thing i think you've said too which is you know when i heard you speak at usm spark a few years ago when i was there in milwaukee um, you know, I remember how you said yourself, you know, you interview those people, but you want the people who are not going to get the job, go on to do, you know, better piece. I interviewed at a school one time and I think I got, even though it was a good interview, um, they were like, well, you need to get this 
finish certification and you know, you're more than willing to have this job. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I just can't get it fast enough. And unfortunately I didn't get it fast enough, but you know, they were basically saying like, they at least gave me the advice. Like as soon as you get that certified, I will guarantee you, you are going to have better chances to land a job. Maybe not here, maybe not your next school you interview for, but once that certification is done and they go, Ryan, I guarantee you, you're going to have a better time. And it was absolutely absolutely true. I mean, one of the reasons I'm going for my instructional coach, even though I have a doctorate now, but at the same time is it's, I would like to move on to that curriculum development instructional coach, but the certificates holding me back. And I finally said, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And I've already had two people interested in me. Like Brian, you should talk to us once you get that certificate done. Yeah. And I actually remember, uh, there's one teacher in particular, she didn't get the job and uh, I called her after and I said, Hey, like I, I want to tell you straight up, uh, we offered the job to someone else. There's a lot of things that I really appreciated that you shared and you know, you're a great candidate like the other ones. Here are some things that I, I want you to kind of think about that you shared and like, maybe just like talk it out because I want to make sure that, um, you know, you are prepared because she was a brand new teacher, never had a job. And she actually, we talked for probably about 90 minutes. Oh, right? wow. and, I, and I actually know, and, and I, I would say this is not the, the only time I've ever had that phone call, right? Now, sometimes I will be honest with you. Some people just like, hey, look, I didn't get the job. I don't need to talk to you. I don't care. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to honor that too. Um, but I am trying to help, right? And so we talked for about 90 minutes, had this conversation. And about two weeks later, she contacted me and she said, hey, I got another job there is no way I would have ever got that job if it wasn't for your input and what you shared with me that day. Cause I, I totally revamped some of the things I talked about in my interview really kind of thought about some of these points and she's gone on. I've like, we, we still talk, we still connect and just seeing the stuff that she does in that classroom is, is really incredible. And, and then you see, then you hear other people apply for jobs, get an interview and don't even get a phone call back. And if they get a phone call, it's from someone who doesn't want to have the conference. Like it's, you know, basically, uh, someone from the office that says, Hey, uh, the person wanted to let you know that you didn't get the job and they couldn't even call them themselves, which is, you know, like if you're going to take the celebration of like offering the person job, you have to go with the tough part of actually, you know, saying you didn't get the job. Here's some things that, that you do. And. I, I, uh, when I first, when I first became a teacher, uh, I actually, the first interview that I had, I thought I nailed it. And to be honest, yeah, I actually did. I did nail it. Um, <laughs> but I didn't get the job. And I, I, I called back two weeks after the fact, I said, Hey, um, I'm new to teaching and I, I, I really want to, you know, make a, a difference in, in, in this profession is there any feedback that you can have me? And he actually said, well, actually, to be honest, and this is how I know I nailed it. He said, we actually, as we talked to you, we thought you'd be perfect for another job. So we had to move some stuff around. So I was literally going to call you today and offer you the job. And, and then they offered me the job and we had a good conversation. And I know that a, a lot of people will not phone and make that call and not feel comfortable saying to someone like, Hey, can you give me some feedback? Can you give me this too? So I think, Part of it, how do you, I, I wanted to be the person that reached out because you are in a, when you are in a hiring position, you're right. People are intimidated oh, yeah. uh, for many reasons. So if I'm the person that's reaching out and actually giving that advice and helping that person get better, um, they're going to feel a lot more comfortable than maybe having that phone call. They don't necessarily know me other than that 60, 90 minutes um, that we have that conversation. So I know that it really helped me to be that person to reach out as a teacher, but I know not all people feel comfortable with that. So I want to do everything in my power to make them feel comfortable and help them to that next stage of, of their career. Cause I've, I've, I've been Ryan, honestly, I've been blessed with so many people doing the same thing for me. If like I mentioned Kelly Wilkins, mm -hmm. I would not do any of the stuff that I was doing today. If it wasn't for her sitting down, taking time, giving me, you know, feedback on things. Right. And she made me so she made me so comfortable that when I did something wrong, she's my deputy superintendent was a principal. And like my thing with her was like, the first person you can hear about me screwing up is not going to be from a parent. It's going to be from me. I'll give you the heads up. Now you might never get the call from a parent, but I'm not banking on that. So I want to make sure that like, Hey, so you got that heads up. So you're not getting any surprises, but I kind of need that help to work through. And she made me feel so comfortable that when things didn't go the way that 
Um, they should have in certain situations that I know I could call her, talk it through. And I, I, you know, even though I screwed up, I never got crap from her because it's hard to give crap to someone that's saying like, Hey, I screwed up. Right. Right. It's easier when you tell them, right. So she just created that space where it's as comfortable as possible. So that, that's, that's really what I was trying to do. And like I said, what we also try to do in that publishing company, uh, I don't, I'm sure you, um, I'm, I'm sure you know this, um, but I, I know that you've seen some of the guests I have on my podcast, probably about 90% of the people that are on my podcast that are authors are not authors under impress. Right. And I, and I'll say to them like, Hey, yeah, I'd love to promote your book. Like, cause I want to give, even though they didn't write with us, you know, I've done, uh, you know, Sarah Thomas has her own publishing. Oh, yeah, company. exactly. Had her in my podcast. I don't see it as like, I, I kind of see it as like, Hey, it's great. Like the, Sarah, Sarah's got great publishers. Mandy, uh, is also has her own publishing company. She's written several books, none of them with impress. And so if I can use some of the, you know, audience that, you know, I've, um, you know, developed over time to help authors, whether they're not, that doesn't take, I, I don't believe it takes anything away from impress or my books or anyone else's books. I think that there's, there's, there's space. And like, you know, as my wife said, there's uh, every, every uh, lit or every pot has its own lid. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah, I, I get, I mean, I get it, but I think it's a really, I think that's a really good point. I mean, when I, you know, cause I listen to your podcast in a way, I love three questions too. And I've done my best not to do my own version of three questions. I'm, yeah. like, I'm, not, I'm not trotting on George's little area. Maybe the, maybe the air. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with you do that. I love right. But you know, you, you've done here, but you know, I have a, uh, after, after I done you this, uh, this weekend, um, late, uh, late morning, uh, nine, because of everything going on here with the with the memorials but i'm talking to an old friend of mine i've known her for years she's a music teacher and her husband is an english they're going to be on and some people just say ryan you know the reason i like your podcast is because you don't just go for the norms like oh i gotta have all the big names oh i gotta ryan's gotta talk to every single person of a book he wrote i mean i'm talking to you i've talked to dave but once in a while you know i'll talk to people with epilepsy awareness i've talked to local educators two people i used to work with which people are like wow that that's a wonderful story you've worked with some amazing people ryan and it's just, it's, it's that message is everybody does have a story to share. I mean, one thing I've always loved about your podcast is you really do do that differently, but it's also nice to hear people. I am friends with myself who I've listened to and read their books. And it's sometimes it's kind of like, wow, I've never heard of this person. I was just listening to the recent one here and you know, your, your guest, he was a chemist. He was a chemist, you know, he was a, he was science, you know, an actual science job. And then he went into education it was kind of like, wow, this is much different than I ever thought too. Yeah. So I, I have to say, you know, George, you know, thank you for being that inspiration as well as having people and actually reaching that word on you because you know you've had that i sadly can only count between regular work and you know education everybody who was a person that gave me advice even when they knew i did something stupid like ryan that was really dumb you shouldn't have done it i want to give you some good advice so you don't do that again i can count on one hand you know i can talk about my one of my four principals larry goodrich he always knew when to knock on my door he would sit down there he would basically look at me i got bad news for you but we just need to talk about why it's bad news and what can you do to do better. And he, I, I always trusted him with those words. Cause I'm like, I hope he's not firing me, but he never, ever gave me that sense that, you know, that's what it was about. It was more of like, you did something like this. We need to fix it. And, you know, sometimes it'd be getting advice. Sometimes like, Ryan, here's what you're going to do. You're going to do it right now. If you don't like it, talk to me afterwards. We'll have another discussion. But, you know, I at least always felt comfortable that, you know, when he was ready to, you know, as they say, give me the smack down, which he never really did. Right. I, I welcomed it. Well, it's, it's funny as I'm, as I'm listening to you, I'm, like, I was like, so why, why do I think this way? And, and it kind of reminded me of the story when I, uh, when I first started teaching my very first year, um, I had a massive screw up in, in my class and a parent complained. And uh, the parent was in the principal's office and I, I walked in to the office and the parent said like, hey, George did this, 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 and this. And like, it's kind of complicated what it, what it was. There's nothing like really, really serious, but it was, you know, uh, you know, just lack of awareness. Right. Uh, it was like internet related and stuff like that too. And, uh, and the principal said, Hey, listen, you know, this is like new technology. George is figuring stuff out still. I'm going to tell you, George is an awesome teacher. He's incredible for a first year teacher. I have, I am so blown away. He's incredible. I know he is great with your kids. I've actually seen your daughter. She loves him. It's, it's incredible. And so uh, don't worry about this. Seriously, George is incredible. I, I can vouch for him, no problem. And she's like, okay, I feel really good about this. And, uh, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm good. Like, I'm good. And then, so she left 
And the principal, she, she left and he goes, what the hell were you thinking? Like, what the hell were you doing? And I, like, I thought, oh, I'm like, good. Like, I'm awesome. He loves me, this guy. And he, but what, like, and so he's like, don't do this, don't do this. And I was like, oh man, like, I, I didn't realize that. And to like a lot of times, and so like, I'm okay with that feedback when you don't throw me under the bus to a right, parent, I, right? And he knew there was no ill intent. There was nothing, like, it wasn't really like a world ending thing that happened or, you know, it was like new internet issues kind of thing. Um, and so he, but he, you know, he back, he had my back. And I think a lot of times teachers need to feel that like we're asked to take risks, try new things, but then if something doesn't go right, and that was literally, you know, I was trying something new in the classroom and it didn't go right. And that's where the person, and so I knew that person had my back and would give me straight up advice, but wouldn't be like throwing me under the bus to a parent. And he knew like he, the, the, the behavior, you know, for lack of a better term was corrected. Wasn't an issue ever again, kind of thing. And I think a lot of teachers, we, we encourage people. Like I, I remember actually getting in an argument with somebody saying like, Hey, like relationships are not important to innovation. Like they are 100% important because if you want me to try new things, if you want me to take risks in the work that I am doing, but I don't trust you and you're my boss, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to do whatever keeps my job, whatever, you know, just kind of, you know, toe the line, do those things. Because if I try something new and it screws up, I don't know if you got me and that's the problem. Right. And so I, you know, as I was like, just kind of listening to you and thinking about that, that is something that, you know, was really instilled in me early in my career because of a screw up that I had and how the principal treated me and had my back uh, when it would have been easy to kind of throw me under the bus. Right. And he knew the parent, like I was there for one year as a small town. He probably had known that parent for 25 years. They right. grew up and down together. Right. So he could have just easily said, well, I know this person better than you, George. So whatever. But he, and that, that is something I really appreciated. Yeah. And I think it's good. Even when my school, you know, year five here, but I remember I had a situation over, I was congratulating students and I had students that complained to my principal and she brought me in, brought it up, but she's like, you're a new teacher. You're trying to do things with things that are not working. You know, you talk about new technology. I had technology that wasn't working where I had come from a school where that's all it ever worked. And here I was on the opposite end, but she said, this is not a retromand. This is not anything that's going to count against you. Don't worry about this with your teacher evaluation in a month of halls. She's just like, I'm glad you're trying to do the relationship. So just keep doing that. But she's like, remember, but you need to learn right now with these kids. They don't know you. They are also on a problem. Let them come to you. And I think you'll do much better. And that was advice I took from her since day one. And my other teachers agreed with me. They all agreed like, yep, you're right. I mean, they might come in and love you, but otherwise they don't. And that's, you know, that's something I learned, but it was good. They had my back because I did work with a boss where, yeah, I was always afraid. I did what I tried to keep my head in, but I knew if I tried something new, it might not go well. And then the last time I did something new, it ended up in call into his office. And I was just like, I'm never doing that again because he will not have my back. He will throw me under the bus and he will not blink an eye. And it's the same, and it's the same thing um, that and I, like I, I actually talked about this in the interviewer's mindset, you know, kind of thinking about the cafeteria table, more people see that and then also do nothing, right? So if I try something new, I get reprimanded when it doesn't go right. And then 10 teachers know that. And let's, let's not even pretend, you know, people talk. Oh yeah. Oh, I got in crap for this and blah, blah, blah. They're all sitting there like, I'm not doing anything new then either. And so that, then, then that becomes the culture. Right. And so, so that, that's like, it's always gotta, you always gotta think about what are the people who don't say anything, who aren't in that conversation? How will they see this? Right. And, you see that a lot of times, right? If you see toxic staff rooms, toxic spaces, and a lot of times it's because some of those things aren't being addressed. And then people are like, well, that's so I, I might as well be toxic because, you know, get away with that kind of thing too, right? So that, that that's something always got to be cognizant of all the people that are watching that too. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, culture is important, whether it's small relationship with students or like you said, that toxicity or basically, you know, and I, I think it's something you've said on your podcast, something that was also in Innovators in the Box is when you start being more positive talk and stuff, it, it, you, you create a better culture and you realize there's always going to be toxicity in some case. Somebody, as I said, you're always biased against something, no matter how much we always say, I'm one of the nicest, most open-minded people. There's going to be something. It's like me. It's like, no matter what, I'm always going to be biased about bratwurst because it 
messes up my stomach. It's going to make me sick. So every time somebody says, well, shouldn't you just be nice? And I'm like, no, not unless you want to be hauling me off stairs. So it's like, sorry, I am biased against food. And unfortunately I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, is, that is, you know, part of who we are, but you know, I, I really come to like, you said you were on your you use discord, right? Yep. I probably wouldn't use discord. And I actually have, and I remember, and I don't like, to be honest with you, I don't know. I don't know why I wouldn't use it. I just know I'm in a ton of spaces right now. And I just don't want to, I'm like, I'm good. I just don't want to be in any more spaces right now. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm in enough spaces that great information will find me. And uh, I, I, I was really cognizant. I, I'm sure people listening to this, I know for sure you do, you know, know a boxer, right? Oh, yeah. People are like, oh, Voxer is like the greatest. Like you have to be on Voxer. And I like tried it out. I was like, ah, this is, I hate this. This sucks. And part of it, part of the reason I suck is because it feels like voicemail, right? I hate voicemail so much. You cannot leave a message on my phone. I have like disabled voicemail. I don't have call rate waiting. You honestly can't even call me. Like I basically have my phone on do not disturb 24 hours a day. I hate phone calls. Uh, if you, if you want to get a hold of me and I know you text is the way to go. And I was like sitting there thinking like, like, really do I like, I hate voicemail so much, but I want to sign up for an app. That's basically like 90% voicemail. I have no interest in this. And so I, but I also understand this. I think this is important. Other people love it. And some people will, um, will, will like turn on Voxer and they'll just listen to the conversation while they're driving somewhere. Right. And a lot of times when I'm driving somewhere, it's after, it's after an event. It's after me speaking on educational day. It's after me getting, you know, tons of questions thrown my way. And when I leave that event, the last thing I want to think about is education. I need to get away from it. I think a lot of people are really bad for this is that they like will do that thing all day and then immerse themselves in it after. And then it's hard to like kind of get different perspectives. And you, you know, that's when burnout starts to happen. And like, there's times in my career where I was like, you know, basically, 24 hours a day, I was education. And, you know, I can't say that didn't benefit me in some ways, but you know, where I am in my life right now, I cannot be in that space. So whereas some people maybe have a little bit different breaks, maybe they're more comfortable with this. Maybe they want to listen to Voxer because um, that time I spend reading blogs at night, you know, when my kids go to sleep, um, they're doing different things. Maybe they're exercising at night. Whereas I like to exercise in the morning. Maybe they like to listen to Voxer while they're so I used to be like, Hey, you gotta be on Twitter. If you're not like you're relevant, I don't say that stuff anymore because the reality of it is if you're on Twitter, great. If you're on Voxer, great, but whatever works for you works for you. You, and I think that kind of going, you know, circling back to the original conversation. Uh, I, I think that's the, I'm not saying if anyone's listening, I'm not like downplaying discord. It might be perfect for you but I just feel like I'm in enough spaces. And I think what people have to do is figure out what is the space? What is that place that works for you? Cause you can't be in all of them. And if you are, you're probably, it's not going to be helpful long-term, right? Kind of find those one or two, maybe even three maximum spaces that are beneficial to you. Like, you, you know, it's like, I share a lot more on Instagram, about my kids, about my health yep. journey, Twitter, I share more about education, Facebook, it's kind of a mix, right? So I, I, I like not only do I shape how I use those things too, um, to in a way that benefits me when I in the way that I want to use it. And I think that's a perfect mic drop right there about using the spaces and the motion and what you use and what it works. Like I said, discord for me, it's comic book related. That's where I have it. Cause oh. there's not really the conversation. And you know, it's part of a website I, I do online reviews for, which I love doing, but you know, I tried, I did sign up for TikTok. I just said, this wasn't me. It has some great things. My students love it. You know, some people love Snapchat. I was on Snapchat for a while. And then I kind of realized this isn't what it used to be. And I can do as much on it and more on Instagram. So, you know, that's where I went to, but I, yeah, think- I do got to jump in though. <laughs> TikTok is the best. <laughs> I don't make anything on it, but it is hilarious. No, I, I got to say, I just let my students show me or I just watch like. A- there, there is this time in my life where I don't know how long you've been connected with me, but I was like Mr. Vine. Like I loved <laughs> Vine and I shared so much from Vine. You did. Twitter. And then, and then I felt like, and then it went away. I'm like, why would this go away? This is the greatest thing ever. And then it was like this void. I felt like there was a void in my life until TikTok came. And I, I, I don't make stuff, but I, I do like, and that's totally like, I don't, 
do anything education related. I just think it's hilarious. I think it's, I think it's funny. I think it's interesting. I, I know that I like knowing stuff that I know kids know and dropping a Charlie D'Amelio reference to high school kids. is like, how does this old guy know who Charlie D'Amelio is? And, that's kind of, it's just, <laughs> and I have, and, to- and, I'm, and I'm obviously like, I'm, uh, I'm not joking about how much I love it, but I'm joking that, you know, if you're not on it, it's not the biggest deal, but it is like, I do love TikTok. Like TikTok is probably for me, that's like a huge, like just totally mindless time for me, which I need, right? Which is kind of fun. Yeah, and I have to say a secret shame means I love the reels section. It's not 100% like TikTok. It's right, right. App, but it's also got a different area to where I can watch. Oh, yeah, I, I do bullet journey too. Like, oh, yeah, I want to show you how I'm going to make my 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 special chicken recipe. And I've done that too. And sometimes I just like laughing at uh, seeing, you know, eight siblings complain, who's going to be taller? I'm 14 and 6'2". And it's like, I'm 12 and I'm about to see six. And sometimes I just laugh. I'm just like, that's like my students. I I had I have I had three, three siblings, one graduated. I have one a senior, one is a freshman. And both of them were doing height comparison i just started laughing <laughs> the two of them was like i'm like that's just entertaining to me <laughs> i'm just like that's just entertaining george no, it's, yeah <laughs> yeah i was just saying george this this has been an amazing time thank you for doing this sorry about the my delay pleasure. i know wow. i gotta run too because i got my son's open house here going on pretty soon but um uh where can we find you besides uh tiktok <laughs> instagram yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't really do anything on TikTok other than I know just, you're a lurker. I, that's where I'm a lurker, right? So, um, yeah, if you just go to my website, georgecross.ca, basically has my podcast, all my social stuff, all my books, courses, things like that. So, uh, so and this .ca is for Canada, not California. So, <laughs> I know some people always ask me that. I teach kids how to what the slugs mean, what does org.net, yeah. gov, ca, and I kind of tell them they all look at me like that actually means stuff. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the best place, but yeah, I love, and it is great. And it, like I said, Ryan, it's, it's awesome. I appreciate you asking me to be on the show and I just love, uh, I really appreciate how supportive uh, you are of others. And I'm glad that, you know, even for a moment I could support you when I saw, you know, you're struggling a bit too. Cause I know you do that for so many other people. So I'm glad to. And, and I, I do, I do want, I want a huge, I'm, I'm going to try not to tear up because I, I, I get more emotional than people think I am, but, um, but, but thank you for that. I mean, simple, I mean, you, and like I said, my former instructional coach reached out to me. It, it's been a hard time. I, I've definitely moved. I should say I've turned a corner, but as they say, that road is yeah. still far yeah. from being over, but I do, I do thank you for reaching yeah, out. My that. pleasure. I'm glad I could have done that too. All right. Well, everyone, thank you once again, George, for being on the Pixel Classroom Podcast and everybody else. Thank you for listening. And we will be back next time with the Pixel Classroom Podcast. Thank you once again for listening to the Pixel Classroom Podcast. Remember, if you like what you hear, please think about leaving us a review or subscribing or leaving us a voicemail, and we'd love to hear from you. And also remember, the Pixel Classroom Podcast is always looking for sponsors, so if you're thinking of sponsoring the podcast, please let us know, and we will get you set up. On that note, my friends, I will talk to everybody later again on the Pixel Classroom Podcast.